We're recording this at 4.30 in the afternoon on December 14th, 2019. So by the time you hear this, Taylor Hall will still not be playing for an Alberta hockey team. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the only Canadian media outlet that doesn't have a financial stake in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm Stuart Jones, is with me is Darren Plett. That was funny. I like that. I like not knowing sometimes what you're going to say in those. They're funny. <laughs> Anyways, so let's talk about other hockey teams in Canada other than Toronto, shall we? Oh, with pleasure. Okay, so uh, usually we start with our uh, scorecard. Yeah. Which is scoring how well we predicted our team's records. Could we avoid that this this time? You know, last episode, we said, with so few games to pick from, it's really hard to be way <laughs> off. So, really, we should have seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, where do I want to start? Let's start with the Flames. Okay. So, let me just say this. Before I even say what we predicted, the Flames went 5-0-0 in yeah. the last five games. Yeah. They went undefeated, which you actually predicted... That the Oilers would do. <laughs> uh, it's, I've got a real good pulse on what's going on yeah. here. It'd be funny if it didn't hurt so much. Are you sure I didn't say the Flames? No, no. I, I, I thought it, they would win 3 out of 6. You thought they would win 4 out of 6. Okay. They won 5 out of 5, and 1 just happened while we were getting ready to record, and they lost that one. But Yeah, you know. that's, that's too bad. So you were actually kind of close. I was close, yeah. yeah. But uh, no one could have predicted that... <laughs> They would go that many wins with a brand new coach. That's... Jeff Jeff Ward would have them scorching. Although we have seen the old coaching switch into a huge winning streak thing happen before. It's true on this podcast. Hello, <laughs> Ken Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, we should have seen that coming. Yeah, we honestly, didn't. we could have called that. Yeah, well, the Oilers, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to win 5 out of 6, and I thought that was incredibly ambitious. Yes. You said they were going to win 6 out of 6. I did. They went 1-3-1. One, and one. My plan worked perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a win-win scenario for me, and I won. Do you want to talk about the Flames first so we can just kind of swallow that for a moment? Sure. So... Uh, fun fact, the Flames offense is officially back. Oh. Yeah, it went missing sometime around the All-Star break last year. And uh, I think I think it's officially back because last five games in a row, not including this uh, Carolina stinker that just happened, they've had four goals or more in the last five games. So that's pretty sweet, especially considering that the Flames were second last in the league for goals for per game before the coaching switch. So... Clearly something was off. You can call the coaching switch the catalyst. You can call it a catalyst for so many things. But something flipped in the room. Some things got figured out. Maybe it was systems. Maybe some guys decided to relax. Aren't, air quotes, gripping their sticks as tightly. You know how many hockey folks like to use that one. But the offense is back. The scoring is up and down the lineup. It's not just certain people scoring. The fourth line is chipping in. Zach freaking Ronaldo had two goals in this seven-game win streak. I looked up how many goals he's had, like the maximum amount of goals he's had in an NHL season, and it's four. So he is just, he's really putting in career-high totals with the Flames. He keeps getting scratched. I don't know, if I were him, I'd be a little offended that I was basically a superstar from a game-to-game basis and then getting scratched the next game. But uh, that just goes to show you goals are coming from everywhere. And I think the Flames coaches kind of have an embarrassment of riches with depth. They don't really know who to put in and who to take out. And 
kind of sucks when you're someone like Ronaldo and you put in a real good effort and then you're taken out. But that's where they're at right now. Everyone's clicking at the moment. I, I'm kind of smiling through the pain here because, I mean, they just lost 3 nothing to Carolina. So all these things I'm saying kind of have a hollow feeling at the, at the moment. But the scoring's back and this shutout aside... It's really nice to see like Johnny scoring goals and enjoying himself and Monahan is was <laughs> was on a seven game point streak and everyone's chipping in so that's really great to see and hopefully that continues after this Carolina game. Um, and I just want to talk about goaltending as well because I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I'm gonna mention it again. People that don't tend to watch the flames a lot like national media or, out-of-town hockey experts always point to Calgary's goaltending as a weakness. And for a lot of years, that's been right. So, you know, if you're a sports journalist, you can kind of depend on the Flames having poor (laughs) goaltending and being able to write about that. But it's no longer the case. I don't think that's an easy target to pick on for the Flames anymore because David Riddick, through this season so far, has a 914 save percentage, which is quite good considering how the team was struggling before this seven-game win streak. So it's been a tough year, and he's really held down the fort. 914 is a really respectable save percentage. And Cam Talbot had been struggling, but he also hadn't been getting much run support from the team when he was in the net. It was just an all-around struggle. But his last two games, he won, and he actually made 46 saves versus Arizona. It wasn't really him keeping the team in the game because a lot of those shots... We're from the perimeter, and the Flames won pretty handily. But still, 46 saves is 46 saves. Really high uh, save percentage in that game, obviously. So I'm pretty confident. I feel like the team is confident as well that they can win with either goalie in net. Riddick has been really solid, and Talbot has shown that when he gets in, he can be solid as long as the team is helping him. As long as they don't hang him out to dry, he's a totally viable option. So... I like the contracts on both guys. I like that they're both really contributing. Riddick is on the younger end for a goalie, uh, and he's looking really good. And Talbot is, I think, just a totally fine backup. I'm fine with the contract, and I'm fine whenever they feel like putting him in because he's a veteran and he's looked good. So this is the notice for people that like to pick on Flames goaltending. That's not the weakness anymore. You're going to have to put in a little more effort to pick apart the Flames. All right. Well... The Oilers, as has already been indicated in the scorecard, so they're on a three-game losing streak. They've gone four, five, and one in their last ten. But I'm not going to dwell on that right now, mainly because I am being optimistic and hoping it's just like a temporary thing, right? That's, that's good, Stu. But uh, you know, okay, if they have a losing record by next episode, I'll pick them apart. I'll try to find out the problem. I swear to you, dear listener, I will find out all the issues the Oilers have. We will investigate. I really hope that doesn't happen because that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, no kidding. Um, But what I'm going to talk about is the fact that even with that record, they're still tied for second in the division. And believe it or not, they're tied with the Flames. Yeah, weird. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, What a great time to have a podcast named The Battle of Alberta, right? (laughs) Tell your friends. (laughs) Please. Um, So... I know there's a, a lot of season left, about 50 games, but uh, do you know, Darren, the last time the Oilers and the Flames ended the season uh, next to each other in the standings? Oh boy, I'm going to go way back and say it was probably, was it in the 80s? Was it 89? 
okay, it was 2018. <laughs> <laughs> My hockey knowledge is sublime. All right. I, I thought this was going to be a shocker stat. Why would you do that to me? Hey, it was. That's a trick question. It did surprise you, right? Yes, it did. Yes, but anyways, did. you know, to be fair, that doesn't really count because the only reason they were together is because they both sucked that year. And really, they weren't <laughs> even that close. Um, but do you know the last time they were both in the playoffs together? I'm wary of answering this question. Was it 1989? Okay, it was 2017. Oh my goodness, <laughs> stop doing this to me. All right, but that's now it. I look so stupid. <laughs> Don't worry, I look stupid researching. This. <laughs> but okay, do you know when they last faced off in the playoffs? Stu, I'll give you a hint. You were much closer with your previous guesses. Was it 1988? Very close. It was 1991. Okay. Do you remember 1991, Darren? Uh, no, because 1991 happened, and then I was born the next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was alive in 91, if you can call that living, uh, <laughs> but I don't remember it. So that was a long time ago. But in that year, both teams finished uh, right next to each other in the standings, faced each other in the first round of the playoffs, mm -hmm. had a very heated seven-game series. And I'm sure you can ask any fan from back then. It was a lot of fun, right? That sounds like fun. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. So uh, I'm not saying that both teams are guaranteed to make the playoffs <laughs> this year. Lots of hockey still to play. I'm not saying that either team is guaranteed to make the playoffs <laughs> this year. But what I am saying is that I just cannot wait to see that first playoff series again after a almost 30-year drought of not facing each other. No matter who you are in Alberta, no matter who you cheer for, if you're an Albertan, you probably hate the other team, which is fine, but you've got to love this rivalry. And I am really looking forward to both of these teams moving in the right direction, I think. <laughs> Maybe that's my opinion, <laughs> but I think they're moving in the right direction and this rivalry is only going to get better as the uh, weeks and years go by. It kind of makes me sad that neither of us have really witnessed like a true playoff intensity rivalry between these two teams we've obviously seen lots of good regular season games but the fact that the last time they met in the playoffs was 1991 makes me ponder how teams get into the playoffs and how they could be remedied maybe to fix or to kind of rejuvenate rivalries like this one that's uh, a whole nother episode yeah we can save that till later All right, now it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Selly. Wait, Selly's in the scorns? Scorn is just singular, because that is plural. <laughs> there is no scorns. Oh, that's confusing. Selly's. <laughs> what did we. We do this every time. Yeah, I just. <laughs> I think it's Selly and Scorn. Selly and Scorn? Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Selly and Scorn. No, it's Selly's. Selly's? It's definitely Selly's. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's oh my! It's time for Sally's and Scorns. I'm gonna go first because Stu just talked a lot, so I'm gonna actually lead off with my scorn because I think it's hilarious and I love it. So Brett Ritchie is a fellow who plays for the Boston Bruins, and he was giving an interview as hockey players tend to do, and uh, he went ahead and said this: "It's an 82 game season. We weren't going 80 and three or whatever it was." <laughs> Do some math, buddy. <laughs> like, I know you're tired. It was probably in an intermission or something. You know, you get Mike shoved in your face as a professional hockey player, but addition isn't really that difficult, man. 82 game season, we weren't going 80 and 3 or whatever it was. <laughs> That's, that cracked me up. That's so good. And 
Even better was his teammate Tori Krug tweeting shortly afterwards, stay in school, kids, with a link to Brett Ritchie's interview. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. I'm sure he's getting razzed every single day in the locker room for that. It's a scorn, but it's a funny one. On that note, my scorn is also Boston-related. Okay. So I think I'll just jump you in wanna, here with that yeah, right now. Hit it. It's uh, actually for a scorn on the Bruins fan base. Ooh. Who, by the way... We have some listeners who are Bruins fans. We do. And they are the most vocal of all of our listeners. That's interesting. Anytime we talk about the Bruins, particularly in a negative light, I will hear about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> might be losing some listeners this so, episode. Uh, so you know who you are. I'm awaiting your messages. But anyways, I'll paint a picture for you. Mm. It's December 5th in Boston. Okay. The Blackhawks score in overtime to win the game. Okay. Okay. Bruins fans react as no other fan would by chucking stuff on the ice. Uh, okay. Okay. Now, I, I hear what you're saying. Who among us hasn't thrown the odd jersey on the ice here and there, right? <laughs> I, I get it. But, uh, you know, while I think that's a stupid reaction at any time, you know, if it's like a 10-2 loss or like a 12-game losing streak, cough, cough, Detroit. <laughs> Oof. Then I kind of get it. But Boston was, as you've already alluded to, crushing it this season. Still is crushing it. They were on an eight-game winning streak going into that game. And they're first in the Atlantic Division by a significant margin. And probably not going anywhere below that. (laughs) Yep. So how the heck do you react to a single overtime loss in such a great season by throwing crap on the ice? Like, how bad of a fan base do you have to be? Like, they just must not understand what true pain is. I have to think it's a Philadelphia fan that got really lost or something. (laughs) I guess that's possible. (laughs) The Eastern Seaboard, they just breathe like sports fans that hate, hate losing. And I guess that's okay, but they hate it to a degree where they do stuff like that. Maybe it's just because Boston fans are so spoiled with all of the teams they have that do so well. Yeah. They cannot handle losing anymore. Yeah. A, a single overtime loss to a pretty good team after an eight-game winning streak is apparently the bottom. It just breaks them. The bottom of the barrel for them. Yeah, that's just way too much to handle. You guys are spoiled over there, man. Now I'm going to go ahead with my celly. It's not Boston-related. Imagine that. Oh, It's actually very Calgary-related, and it's not the winning streak or Jeff Ward or any of that, even though those things are quite fun. Good news, Calgary fans who like to go to the arena to watch games. The arena deal has officially been signed. One week ago, Calgary City Council, uh, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corp., which is who owns the Flames, and the Calgary Stampede all signed off officially on building the arena, which will get underway at some point. I assume they have to do all those examinations of the site and blah, 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 all the stuff they have to do, but it's happening. There's no more votes on whether to rescind it and redirect funding, et cetera, et cetera. And I know it's a huge political point, and I'm not here to tell anyone one way or another to like the arena deal or hate the arena deal or think it's bad or good for the city, but... I'm just here to say it'll be fun to go see a Flames game in a new arena. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with for a design. Who knows? Maybe it'll be terrible and we'll all hate it. <laughs> it'll be a scorn in a few episodes from yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it'll be five years down the road, so maybe maybe we'll all have moved away, or I don't even know. But it's really interesting to 
think about what this will be, what this will mean to the city of Calgary. I'm really excited to see drawings, renderings. I'm excited to see this building go up. And I think it's a selly, personally, for the city. I, I'm not going to argue semantics and politics because honestly i just don't know anything about it <laughs> i just would like to see the flames play in something that's not a concrete tomb that looks like the roof is caving in even though i have a great picture of it on my wall i love the saddle dome but it's old it it will need to be retired at some point and the new arena is coming so big selly for the city of calgary you will await your new arena which will be here in roughly five years and i'm very excited for that all right my selly now this one hurt a bit. Oh, uh-oh. It stung, but, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Not that Bob McKenzie is desperate for my shout-out. <laughs> <laughs> but Bob McKenzie last night tweeted, quote, If, or more likely when, Taylor Hall gets traded, I don't believe it will be, uh, well, you know, one for one. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> Yeah, because what kind of stupid idiot would trade Taylor Hall for one single player, right? Yeah, I can't, like, I can't think of a reason you would do that. I can't imagine. Like, It's absurd to even consider the possibility. He's a high-scoring young forward. You would think he would get a large package of picks and or players. Yeah, that's my Sally because it was hilarious as much as it still hurts me to think back to the day that I found out about that trade. It's very big of you, Stu. It's very high road of you. I try. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Bob. <laughs> Before we get to our predictions, we just want to say one last thank you to everyone who donated to us through the Movember run. Uh, we're still shocked and amazed that you guys were so supportive. And uh, we hope you're getting your decal soon. Uh, but we also want to shout out uh, Triple J Decals and Signs, who were the ones who not only printed those decals that you'll be seeing, but they actually designed the sweet logo that is printed on those decals. So big shout out to Triple J Decals and Signs. They are awesome and uh, very big fans of us, and we're very big fans of them. So thanks again. Now it is time for predictions, the part of the show where we make predictions, and usually it goes horribly wrong. So you can just fast forward here. It's irrelevant (laughs) anyway. It's irrelevant, but I think it'll be fun to listen to, right? Sure. We haven't heard any feedback otherwise. That's how to get us to stop, by the way, is negative feedback. (laughs) So we're actually going to be doing eight games for each team because the next time we record will be after New Year's. This isn't a full-time job. We can take off as much time as we want, but please keep listening. I think we're going to start with Stu. Stu, how do you think the Oilers are going to do over these eight games? It doesn't look great. Uh, they <laughs> they don't have uh, like a super easy lineup coming up against them in the next few weeks. Um, in fact, I think I saw somewhere that they have one of the hardest schedules left in the year, so mm-hmm. that'll be fun. But let's just focus on one chunk of depressing news at a time. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do very well against this run of teams, but I also don't think they're going to do quite as badly as they've been doing they're going to find some of a middle ground so i think they're going to go 500 four out of eight that's not great but uh at least they won't have a losing record and i won't have to do all that research as to what's wrong with the team (laughs) i think they're going to win four out of eight 
All right. Well, in a shocking twist, I'm actually less optimistic than you for once. I've gone from the highs of a 6-0 and Oilers dream that didn't pan out, but I got to see the Oilers lose a bunch, so that's always fun. And I'm going to the Oilers dropping to 3-5 and five because I also don't think they're as bad as this last stretch has indicated, but I also think that they are slipping a bit because when McDavid and Dreisaitl don't score, it's becoming a problem, and it's just going to get worse as they play more and more minutes and it piles up and they take more hits and more shifts and et cetera, et cetera. So like you said, the schedule's getting tougher for the Oilers. I see them going three and five. All right. As for the flames, uh, their schedule actually gets quite a bit easier. They had a tough schedule to lead off the season and theirs is going to lighten up a bit as well. Coupling with the fact that they went on a seven game win streak offense looks like it's back. I'm going to have them going six and two. The first few opponents they're facing in this next segment for us are a little bit tough, but I'm going to be optimistic that they pick it up on the back half of the segment where they have a few less intimidating opponents like the Blackhawks and the Wild. So I think they're going to maybe hit a little tiny rough patch here with this Carolina game and a couple games afterwards, but then they're going to pick right back up on the hot streak at the end of the segment going into the new year. So six and two for me. What do you think? Yeah, I pretty much saw the exact same thing, you know, because I looked at the exact same schedule you did. <laughs> Who knew? Crazy. Uh, and I thought, yeah, this pretty much the same thing that's early on in that run of games. There's some tough teams, uh, but does get significantly easier as it goes. Uh, I don't think they'll be able to keep up with their... Well, Evanston says today... That wasn't words. (laughs) As is evidenced by today's game, they clearly can't keep that 7-0 going forever. Uh, I don't think anyone thought they could, though. So I think they're going to come a bit back down to earth. Uh, I've got them winning 5 out of the 8 instead of 6. And I think I know what the difference is. And on that note, we have our first Battle of Alberta to predict. Oh, boy. So I, I'm guessing, you know, you said the Flames are going to win 6 out of 8. I said they're going to win 5 out of 8. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing the reason is because we think differently on what's going to happen with this Battle of Alberta game. I suspect you are right. Stu, who do you think is going to win the Battle of Alberta? I think the Oilers are going to win this one. Oh, that's shocking because I think the Flames are going to win this one. <laughs> Imagine right. how that works there out. There you eh? have it, folks. We're homers just like everybody else. <laughs> Let me explain myself. Okay. Part of it's, yeah, I would just love it if they did. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but no, the other part is, again, 7-0 and can't last forever. They're going to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They're going hot into the Christmas break, where the Oilers are, like, really looking forward to the Christmas break. And this game is the first game back for both of them after that short break. December 27th, I believe. Yeah, so I I think because of that break that the Oilers need, they're going to be coming in ready, and because the break that the Flames don't really want, because it's going to kind of cool them down, they're going to be less ready for it. That's kind of my logic here. Uh, And the Oilers can't lose forever, and the Flames can't win forever, so there's more logic for you. All all of those are false. (laughs) Oilers could easily lose forever. I've seen it happen. (laughs) But I think they're going to beat the Flames this time around. All right. I'm in it for the Flames. They've been looking good as of late. And I think I think they have the ability to at least harass McDavid and Dreisaitl into less points than usual. So I'm taking the Flames in this one. And it'll be very exciting to see how it turns out. Our first Battle of Alberta of the year coming in December. It's a little shocking, but it's happening, folks. It's finally happening. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. Remember, you can visit our website at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com. If you could rate, like, and subscribe to us on any or all podcasting platforms, that would be fantastic. That helps us get the word out and people can see us easier. If you could tell your friends and family about it, even better. We would love that. So thanks again for listening. Our theme song is Lose Your Head by Apache Tomcat. We'll catch you after the Christmas break. Merry Christmas, everybody.